Welcome, everybody, to a new episode of the Traumedy Hour. I am your host for this evening, Jonas Barnes. Uh, Lauren is out doing her thing right now, so she's not going to be able to be on this episode, but we welcome her back as soon as she's able to. Uh, Great episode today for you guys. I'm really looking forward to this one. But real quick, before we get into everything, just a disclaimer, as we usually try to do on the show here. I am not a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a doctor in any way, shape, or form. This is not meant to diagnose any mental health issues uh, or give you any kind of a cure for it. What this is, is real people having a real conversation about the things that we all deal with on a daily basis that society tries to tell us to shut the fuck up about. And that is not what we do. (laughs) We talk about it. And we hope that by talking about the experiences that we have gone through, uh, that we help at least one of you. So that's what we do here. Uh, Really excited for my guest today. Uh, My guest today is somebody that I actually had been following for quite a while based off of how they got uh, famous on the internet and went viral. And it's something that she will tell you about as well. Uh, But I started following her at that point. And then the longer that I was uh, following her on Instagram and social media and everything like that. I kind of saw some things that really wanted me to have her on the show um, because she was very open about certain struggles that she was having, especially when it comes to social media, viral fame, um, you know, all the things that go along with that. So uh, welcome to the show, The Real Megan Foxy. How are you doing? Howdy doody. How are you doing? I'm good. <laughs> so thank you for doing the show today. Um, really, really appreciate having you on. I know that when it comes to, you know, mental health stuff and struggles and things like that, a lot of people are not all that open to talk about it, which is completely fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think we all have to kind of get to our own space where we're able to talk about those things. Uh, it took me a lot of therapy to go through those things. And then I was like, oh, shit, I can actually talk about these things. The world can kiss my ass. They don't want me to talk about it. Right, so. exactly. Yeah. So uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Who are you? How did you uh, how did you become viral famous on the Internet? Um, so I'm Meg. Um, I'm an Ohio native. Uh, I live in L.A. now and I became famous because I decided that it is ridiculous that society deems it inappropriate for women to fart in the presence of other men or public, what have you. and I wanted to share my story on TikTok because, uh, you know, stuff goes viral there all the time. I thought, hey, maybe this will like make a woman be like, you know what? Screw you. I'm going to fart in front of you if I wa- fucking want to, you know, so that pretty much had me take off. And now I'm known as the fart girl. <laughs> um, so that's fun. But it has um, carried over to like OnlyFans, Instagram, stuff like that. So all right. So this is, I mean, that's, I'm glad that you went right into it because that actually is totally what I saw the first time. Um, <laughs> I can't remember who it was. It was one of my comedian friends. It was like, yo, this is fucking hilarious. <laughs> and then they like said it over to me. They were like, first off, this, this woman is hot as hell. And then watch to the end. And I'm like, all right. Like, you know, I see the video and then you just blast out this giant fart. <laughs> I'm like, all right. <laughs> all right. Is this like, a one-time video thing and then i saw that you did it a bunch and i was like all right this is her thing this is fucking funny like this is very funny to me and i think also first off i want to throw it out there farts are funny and if you feel like farts are not funny uh you're lying to yourself they're funny in almost every situation okay right right and society does do that it does tell like that's a common trope i think in relationships in like you hear it with me i do stand-up comedy so i hear it all the time with 
both women and men where they'll talk about like you know my girlfriend didn't fart in front of me for blah 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 and then like you'll hear her do the same thing it's like yo i'll do that in the first day just to be like listen first date i gotta like i'm not gonna go to the bathroom to fart like sorry not gonna happen It's not worth the, the stomach pain that you feel. Oh my God, I do not miss that. <laughs> no, it's not worth it at all. And also on top of that, like you got to know what you're dealing with with a person, especially if you're going to be in a relationship with them. Like yep. you got to know what's going on with that. You can't be like, you know, three, four weeks into a budding relationship and then they finally do it. And it's like, wow, that's what I've been dealing with the whole time. And I didn't realize it. Wow. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You want to just lay it out on the table right there. You just hey first date i'm just not meeting you tell me your darkest secret <laughs> and I'm, <drip> ass. <laughs> yeah i'm kind of that same way i have a thing where i talk about um when i talk about in my act i talk about kinks and stuff mm-hmm. i'm like if you're into something tell them soon like yeah. tell them early yeah. because you don't want that to be some weird surprise later on when you're like really involved with each other and be like oh fuck you're into choking damn it that's like the opposite of my thing you know right right so like just tell people get it out there um so this this so the videos that you made where you um were playing off the you know the social the weird social taboo that women are not supposed to fart in, in the company of other men or just in public like so you did that you made these videos they were very funny and they really did take off because i saw the videos that i saw i could see just the views ranking up like just going crazy yeah and you said that it translated over to or, you know, it moved over to like OnlyFans and you're on Instagram, and you're on TikTok and you're on all these social medias. And uh, is that something that you have found was beneficial or did you find that it was overwhelming or like how did, how did that work out for you when it started to move over to the, the full spectrum of social medias, including OnlyFans? Well, it was definitely both. It was very beneficial because it got my name out there more and it definitely helped with my income because now I solely live off OnlyFans and most of my income is fart related. Um, But it is also very overwhelming at the same time because it's so demanding and you get so many messages all the time. You get like negative ones. A lot of it's like just like creepy stuff, you know, and or they're just like, they expect me to be their girlfriend and they just say like weird shit. I don't know. It's just, there's a <laughs> such lot a, of like, weird such a weird shot, a shot to shoot. Just like, listen, you're really hot. I'm into farts. Let's date. Like, right. right. They're like, oh, move to uh, drop what you're doing and move to freaking like Iowa. To, I'm like, what? I don't know you. <laughs> like, right. you're so weird for sending that message. <laughs> You're just going to go ahead and court me and send me to some flyover state in the middle of the country just because you're into my farts. All right. Like this is yeah. you need to calm that down. Sure thing, buddy. I'll do get right on it. <laughs> yeah. You know, the funny thing about OnlyFans, this is also something I wanted to bring up during this episode. OnlyFans has exploded so much. And um, I have a lot of friends that do it. I have a lot of friends that are sex workers, a lot of friends that are content creators, um, also some stand-up comic friends that also started to do that on the side and then it ended up becoming like their main income source and stuff like that. So I have like subscriptions to these things and, you know, friends that I support and I like throw their tags out all the time and I'll throw their links out all the time to get more people to go and see them. And it's a weird thing that I've noticed where there's some taboo attached to it. Also, when you subscribe to an OnlyFans of a person that, you know, as opposed to, you know, insert person here that you saw on the internet, but like friends and things like that. And to me, it feels like it should be something that's celebrated a lot more 
um, than it is. Like, I think the taboo that's around people, some you know, people creating an OnlyFans that really at this point, I feel like that should be gone. Mm-hmm. And I haven't like, have you noticed that people are more open to it now or has there been a pushback on it? I mean, yeah. Um, yes and no. So my whole thing with it is, is like, yeah, do it. Support your friends. Cause I definitely have subbed to like some of my friends. So like, you know, we give each other likes and stuff cause it helps each other out. Um, I don't particularly watch people. I like actually know in real life just cause I'm not comfortable with that. Um, right. but I, I know like I have friends who will make content with their friends and it's all gravy, you know, but it all depends on the person, but I definitely don't think it should be like taboo to be subscribed, especially if that other person is okay with it. Because normally you do ask the creator, like if you know them very well on like a personal level, you ask them like, Hey, are you comfortable with me? Like subscribing to your only fans and you should always ask that. Yeah. You like, always it, should. it doesn't matter. Like, cause if it's someone, you know, consent is important. Um, also with like relationships and stuff like there should be like I don't know there's boundaries in every relationship you know and they're always different because it's definitely weird if like you know you're not comfortable with your partner subscribing to people that they know or you know it's like uh (laughs) there's a fine line here you know there was be taboo there was a friend of mine, um, and I'll throw her name out there, uh, her only fans out there. Cause she's always about me pimping her thing out if I can. Um, mm-hmm. her name is the Gia monster and she's awesome. She's been a friend of mine for a long time. And it was kind of funny because she was always somebody that would post things on social media that were kind of like, you know, the, the posts that would be like showing as much as you can without getting banned and like stuff like that mm-hmm. and everybody kept on telling her like yo create an only fans create an only fans and she was really like she really pushed back on it for quite a bit like she probably held off i would say at least a year if not more and she was pretty you know pretty against it in the sense that she had some hang-ups on it about like you know body image issues and things like that and as an aside smoking hot person she's absolutely gorgeous but she had her own hang-ups on it and then when she finally pulled the trigger on that the amount of support that she got both financially and also from like friends and stuff like that that were had been pushing for her to do it before um was astronomical like now she's creating like a motherfucker she's you know making money off of it like i don't know if it's her full income but i would not be surprised um, but the reason I bring it up is because I'm surprised subscribed to her account. And I think I've seen the content that she creates maybe twice. And that was kind of just by happen chance because I logged in and it was the first thing that popped on there. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of been the same thing that I've done with other friends where it's like, I've subscribed to it because I'm helping them out, you know, monetarily or whatever like that. But if I know them really well, it's just not something that I go and watch all the time yeah and i think it's also just because i have asked them you know the friends of mine that have the accounts like is it an issue if i subscribe to your account they're like fuck no like go ahead and do it like you know you're helping me pay my electric bill this month it's awesome (laughs) you know like (laughs) go ahead um but was was the OnlyFans thing what brought you to la or was that a thing that happened prior to the OnlyFans? No, um, I mean, it definitely helped me come to L.A., but I've always wanted to be in L.A. since I was a little, little kid. I just had a feeling, I don't know, when I would hear about it, you know, because my mom was very into, like, the pop culture and what whatnot. 
I just really wanted to be in LA. I felt I needed to be here for a certain purpose. Um, and as I grew older and like grew into a person, I realized a lot of like the things that I'm interested in, I, to be able to pursue all of those different things, I would need to be in a place like LA where I can do just that because not a lot of cities offer that much, you know? So, but OnlyFans definitely helped me like save up um, as well as like stripping and stuff like that. That helped me save up for like the big move to LA because I wanted to be here, but be comfortable. I didn't want to be in like a bad situation because I've been in that before. So it definitely, definitely helped me get my ass out here. You know, one of the reasons that I'm friends with so many sex workers is because I started comedy in the Pacific Northwest in Seattle and in Portland, Oregon. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you've ever been to Portland or anybody that's familiar with Portland, but Portland has the most uh, strip clubs per capita than any other city in the entire country. And it is probably the most sex positive city that I've ever been in. Mm -hmm. Um, So there was a lot of the, you know, crossing of people that were both, you know, um, on that circuit and then also in comedy. So the friendships ended up being with a lot of the same people. And what I noticed during the pandemic, especially, is that a lot of those people that were, you know, my dancer friends and stuff like that, sex worker friends from Portland, OnlyFans was the thing that saved their life because mm-hmm. they couldn't do any of that stuff live. And, you know, as sex positive as Portland is, it was kind of like, well, you know, we're kind of fucked. We can't do anything on it. So they would transition over to OnlyFans. And that was like the thing that, you know, legitimately did save their life. You know, it saved their, saved their rent. It saved their bills. They didn't have to struggle. Like it was, it was an awesome thing. And just from what I've seen with you and just like the stuff that I've seen you post and everything, LA feels like you feel very LA in a good way. Like not the, not the fake vapid way, but like your, your personality seems like it would very much mesh well with like the cool stuff about LA, you know? Yeah. I get that a lot since I moved here. They're like, you're not from here. And I'm like, no, I'm definitely from Ohio. I grew up around corn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You do not strike me as a person that was hanging out in cornfields. You definitely strike me as a person that hangs out at whiskey at (laughs) go-go. Oh, absolutely. I'm there almost every week. Anytime there's a jam tribute show, you know, my ass is there. (laughs) <laughs> whiskey a go-go is cool i uh i went there and did a photo shoot with a band that i work with here in new york mm-hmm. and they went on an la trip so i was like all right fuck yeah i'll go there and like i didn't know what they were doing while they were there aside from just a couple of like random gigs and they did whiskey a go-go and i was back there like you know with them and in the green room and like taking pictures mm-hmm. and stuff and i sent a picture of the green room to my mom and i was like can you guess where i am My mom grew up in the 70s. She was a roadie. Like, she was fucking rock star chick. Ah, yes. Yeah. So I take a picture of this back room. I said, can you guess where I'm at? She goes, you're definitely at Whiskey A Go-Go in the green room. And it looks exactly the same as it did in 1974. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) She's like, they have not changed a thing. I'm sure there's, like, cocaine stuck underneath the benches. (laughs) just like, (laughs) they have not changed it um so it was very cool like and yeah like from the stuff that i've seen with you with just your style and your aesthetic and your personality and everything it feels like you would fit very well in with those types of crowds and that type of stuff and i also that's my thing yeah he very much seems like that um so one of the reasons that i wanted to have you on the show is because i remember a while back uh you were it was an instagram thing if i remember correctly um Mm -hmm. you kind of had a breakdown and 
the breakdown was in the sense of um, something that I think is a much more common occurrence than people vocalize and that people know about. And I felt like it was something that might be important to put out there is that when you create things on the internet, when you become a content creator, um, especially if it starts to bleed into like, you know, sex work style stuff, whether it's stripping, whether it's OnlyFans or anything like that, the popularity is kind of a double-edged sword mm-hmm. because you have the people that are supportive and you have like, you get the creepy messages and shit, but like for the most part, you get the people that are supportive, you know, financially the income is there, like all these things are good. But also you have this other side of it where people feel like they have a right to all of the aspects of your life, including the parts that you don't want to share with people because, you know, you have your boundaries and that's your fucking right to not, you know, share stuff with people. Um, And it felt like based off of that, you know, post and stuff that you made that it hit a breaking point with you. Yeah, definitely. Um, It was... I don't know. It's just, it's so much pressure because I already share so much of my life and I'm already very open and with people just getting so demanding, um, it can, it can be a lot. So it definitely does not help. And I need to take like breaks from social media here and there because it becomes so overwhelming and I start to just get down on myself and I don't want to slip back into like a huge depression. Like I've gone through. Sure. You know, especially living on your own in L.A., that's not really I can't afford that. So, (laughs) yeah. And I and I agree with that 100 percent. And I think also just taking I think taking the time and being able to recognize that you have hit a point where Mm -hmm. it's getting to be too much and being cognizant of that and like sitting back and being like, all right, like the rest of the world's got to fuck off for a little bit. (laughs) I've got to get back into my own thing. I've got to, you know. I've got to get back to me. And I was, I mean, honestly, I was shocked, um, slightly shocked that you were responsive when I had sent the message, because a lot of times when I reach out to a guest, especially with somebody that has, you know, a certain amount of followers or a certain amount of popularity or whatever, sometimes the messages get lost in the shuffle, like just, you know, whatever the case may be. And so it was kind of a shot in the dark when I had reached out to you. Um, definitely glad that you responded. Definitely glad that you, you know, had gotten back to me and that you were down to do this because I do think it's important. Um, but I feel like that's got to be a thing, especially with the nature of what you do. You probably get just a shitload of messages, um, all the time. Oh yeah. I have to, so I'm like really annoying and I can't, I can't do like the little like notification bubbles like hey you have this many messages like I have to clear that out it drives me nuts <laughs> so I will go through my messages at some point and like see if these ones are worth viewing because if it's a person that I don't follow it is going to go to my message request and if it's like something important or like a work opportunity I need to make sure that I see it sure so I of course saw your message I'm thankful that I did but yeah I have to like clear out my message requests because they drive me insane. <laughs> Yeah, I, did, I, I don't blame you. I noticed actually I was looking at my email account. I have 29,000 unread oh emails. God. I looked at it and I said, because this is the thing. I've been looking at my emails on my phone and I never see that number. Mm-hmm. I logged into it on my laptop. And I was like, Jesus Christ, Jonas, what are you doing with your fucking life? 29,000 emails that you haven't even looked at. 
what Dude, have right? I lost? Uh, <laughs> I'm about to like hire an assistant to go through my emails and like un- unsubscribe from like certain things. So I stop getting their fucking emails because, oh my God, stop. Like it's every day. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. And I, I look at that number and I'm like, have I lost opportunities or is this all <laughs> like fucking Amazon bot ads that are just trying to sell me shit? Like what's going right. on? Um, so the thing with social media attention, I think, you know, dealing with it from a stand up comedy standpoint of it, we have to deal with trolls. Like a lot of times, because especially depending on what kind of humor we have, I have a lot of friends in the industry that are darker um, comedians, darker subject matter, that type of thing. And obviously with the name of the show, the Tromedy Hour, that's also our live show that we do, like, you know, as far as a stand up show goes. Mm -hmm. And we talk about all sorts of, you know, wild shit. We talk about mental illness. We talk about trauma. We talk about assault. We talk about all these things. And the attention that that attracts is double-edged in the sense that we have people that are very into it, like that, you know, find it cathartic and stuff like that. But then you also get like the edgelord douchebag type of dudes that are just like, yeah, rape jokes, you know, like that type of thing. And it's just like, all right, we don't want those guys. Like those guys can fuck off. But I feel like with your part of the entertainment industry, like, is it something that you find affects your mental health when you have to go through like you know these type of messages and stuff that you receive um I mean not really because I used to care a lot about what people thought when I was younger um but then I I lived alone in Philadelphia and I did not have any friends and I kind of learned to love myself and I just stopped giving a fuck you know what people think and so now when I see like troll messages or comments it's mostly on tiktok comments like that's where i get the most of it um i just kind of like fuck with them back or i just like ignore it depending like if i can't come up with like a snide joke or something right but i just let it roll off my back because you just can't like they're not doing anything better you know who who are they to you and why does it matter what they say and what they think like i'm just gonna do what makes me happy and what i care about like fuck the trolls they suck (laughs) sure no it's good and i think it's a good message too because honestly it really is i mean i can understand when those do like if you get a massive amount of those i can understand how those would like you know break down on a person but -hmm. at the end of the day those are anonymous bullshit accounts from people that you know have no fucking life and fuck the trolls i think is a perfect phrase for it (laughs) just not a fan of them uh they're always going to occur they're always going to be a thing but yeah fuck the trolls yeah what was the thing that triggered this breakdown that you had was that like where you had you just moved to la or is that like a was that something that happened after you were in la for a little bit um i mean i've been here since i've been in la since december i was in san diego for a few months um because i just kind of squatted in like a friend's old house and held it for her until she could move back into it and then it gave me more time to find an apartment so I've been in California um about eight months I've been here six ish five I can't do math in my head right now (laughs) yeah yeah, like six months okay um so it happened uh just after I met a new friend that I met on Instagram. She seemed really cool. Um, I was kind of nervous because she's like the ultimate hot girl, you know, and I thought maybe she'd be like a different person, but she was really cool. And when I met her, we were hanging out and then she just kind of like put me 
around like certain people that were not good to my mental health and she just wasn't that good of a friend to me okay um as I thought I was to her and that and like I don't know it just kind of like bummed me out and like I had another friend that just wasn't really being there for me as much as I was for him so that kind of just like putting that much effort into friendships where I felt like I was getting nothing back that really like triggered a breakdown. And like, I was around certain people where I was like comparing myself and like, I was super on social media, you know? And so that you have to take breaks every now and again, because if you're too much on social media, you're going to compare yourself a lot and you're going to really fuck your head up. So it was just like a combination of all that shit um, that triggered like a breakdown where I just felt like, what the fuck does anything matter? Like these people like care about the dumbest shit ever. And I'm so sick of hearing about it. And they don't actually care about me. They don't care about each other. They just want to hear themselves talk. And it's just all bullshit. It's just nonsense. Like, what the fuck is the point anymore? Like, it was just kind of like snowballed, you know, because I I kept like, I'm so aware of my surroundings and I'm so aware of myself and like what I was doing and what I was thinking. And I was like, who, who am I anymore? You know? Sure. And it, so it just like messed with my head. But as soon as I cut off those friends, it definitely helped me a lot because I realized that was pretty much one of the issues do you feel like you had to have that kind of that breaking point to realize that the friends that you had were um becoming toxic or were toxic absolutely yeah because the one friend I was I was thinking like for a few weeks I just wasn't happy in our friendship um and I didn't feel valued so I don't know, just kept pushing and I kept like putting it off because I'm like, I don't know how to go about it, whatever. And then that happened. I made the post and then the two that I was kind of eyeballing did not reach out. And that kind of hurt um, just because I would have immediately reached out to them and like, hey, just so you know, like I'm here for you, you know, I love you, whatever. They said nothing. And I took that as like, all right, this is my answer. Like, I'm just going to cut them off. Like, I can't. And I didn't think that it would help me so much, but it really did. Um, I just, I don't know. Cause the responses to it just, it showed me what I needed to know. Okay. I mean, that's good to know because I think a lot of times people, the reason I bring this up is because I think sometimes people are so entrenched in a friendship or a situationship or an acquaintanceship or whatever it is that we don't pay attention to the red flags, you know? Yeah. And with yours, did you think that, like, in hindsight, when you look at it, were there red flags that were there prior to the breakdown? Yeah, there definitely were. Um, It was kind of more slow moving because one of the friendships I met her last year, another friendship, I met him in high school. So I've known him in years. And uh, the huge red flags with him were he's like a huge TikTok creator. And I was friends with him when he was not, when he was really struggling and he was caring way too much about what people thought about him. That should have been a red flag to me because he was literally like letting it get to him so, so much. Yeah. And it was only time like until he eventually just cut off his real friends and started only hanging out with TikTok creators. And that's exactly what he did. Oh. Um, So he just kind of like hangs out with people that benefit him in a monetary way, which is not okay to me and not something I want in a friend that's just not good character you know and 
so that was why I cut off that one. And the other one, she just cared a lot about material stuff and she was around a lot of toxic people. And I should have paid attention to that earlier on and like how she just allows these people to treat her like crap. But it also affects me because I'm the one that's always there for her, you know? So I should have left first, like when I first started seeing it, like, oh, you're just going to let these people treat you like crap. And then I have to fucking pick up the mess. Like, what the hell is this? You know? Right. When it's a one-sided friendship like that or a one-sided relationship, I think it, you know, I say friendship relationship because I think a lot of these things that you're talking about translate also to relationship wise, um, you know, very similar things. If it feels like it's one-sided like that and you're the one that's always there for that person and they're not there for you, not even like when it matters most, but like even when it matters at all, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If they're more, if they're more interested in getting clicks and views and like, you know, rubbing elbows with the right people and kissing ass and dick riding and all those things. It's just like, that does not translate well. And I think that's also something, again, similar things happen in stand-up comedy too, because with this type of a thing in the entertainment industry at all, sometimes you'll have those people that you've been friends with for sometimes years and, you know, they fucking get a famous friend or something. And it's just like, all right, well, now I don't have any time for you because this person is going to give me more clicks, you know, more views. One picture with them on Instagram and I get all these followers, you know, like that type of shit. It's just like, ugh. right. It's it's honestly just really disappointing because you think, you know, somebody and then they just can't fucking humble themselves. That's like the most unattractive thing ever for someone to just forget about a good friend who was always there for them when they were down. And now that they're up. They're like, oh, forget about you. Like, excuse right. me. <laughs> Who right. the hell is going to be here when you fall? Not me now. <laughs> right. <you. laughs> and it's, it's not going to be TikTok creator insert person here. Like, it's not going to be that. Mm-hmm. They're going to drop you like a bad habit when shit gets real, you know? Exactly. Because I know who you really are. I know how you actually operate. And I was still around you, even though you're not that great of a person. But once these people like see behind all the views and followers that you have, they're not going to like what they see. So yeah i agree with you. i i've seen that i've seen that myself too and it's uh i definitely agree with you on that um so one of the things that i wanted to talk to you about um you kind of have that interesting crossroads in what you're doing now because mm-hmm. on one hand of it you have the comedy aspect of it which is the bait and switch of the fart videos mm-hmm. because it starts off sexy and then it goes farty like <laughs> yeah and then it's kind of both for some people you know like Mm -hmm. so you have that and then you also have the other side of it which is the sex worker aspect of it the only fans creation the content creation on there now the stuff that you do on the only fan side of it is it still a mixture of both or is it more towards like the traditional um you know sex worker type of stuff um it's definitely like a mixture of both um I do sell a lot of like fart videos like here and there, um, which is just, I honestly never knew that that was a kink. <laughs> so cake that was farts is, cake farts is a real thing. <laughs> yeah, I actually just did a cake fart uh, <laughs> a couple <laughs> weeks ago or like a week ago or something. I was supposed to do it for my birthday, but then I just got so busy and I was just dealing with a lot um, at the time. And so I finally got around to doing the cake fart and people love it. So <laughs> Can we talk about how funny of a scenario that is like, well, I was going to do a cake fart for my birthday, but then like, you know, 
shit got crazy life got in the way so i had to postpone it (laughs) yeah (laughs) very uh weird i just i just couldn't get around to buying a cake (laughs) you ever think growing up in ohio that you were going to be like listen i'm going to move to la and i'm going to fart on pastries I'm going to make so much fucking money doing it. Oh my God. No, I had no idea. And honestly, when I was like 11, 12, I saw my first cake fart video. It was like some really hot chick with a fat ass. She got up on a counter, farted right on chocolate cake. And I just thought, what a waste of a perfectly good cake. I was just like, what is this? I was like, do people like this? I was like, so confused. I was like, what porn? <laughs> what kind of what, porn is this? What part of the internet did I fall into? Yeah, I don't even know how the fuck I came across that. Honestly, it was like in the rise of like two girls, one cup type thing. So I guess cake farts was also thrown in that mix. Yeah, but, uh, I feel like that's the forbidden milkshake right there. Yeah, I just oh, man, full, full circle. But I will not do a two girls, one cup. Like people <laughs> ask me for poop content. I'm ab- no, You're like, no, that, that's a hard pass. There. I'll do yeah. a fart, but absolutely not. <laughs> no, if it's if it's going to be a, too wet of a fart, it's like, nope, can't do it. Can't do that one. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny though like it's so that's the one of the reasons i wanted to bring that up is because i think when it comes to that like when you when it comes to that specific of a kink or of a thing like do you get handed with messages from people about those things or is that kind of a thing where they like just like kind of slide in like incognito like listen i'm into the fart thing so like uh how much is it for a video you know like that type of thing well, or are people like aggressively into it um it it honestly it varies um some people are very descriptive in what they want um a lot of them are incognito accounts like the you yeah yeah all these numbers you know whatever um some of them are just like hey do you got fur content i'm like yeah what do you want and i give them like (laughs) a menu because i have like clothed nude like masturbating and farting and so on and so forth and i'm like this is what you can get um how many do you want you know just you can send me your total and then i'll figure it out from there and you can tell me some people they buy a custom and they want it to be like fart humiliation where i'm like i can see that on them it's nuts oh my gosh i'm like i have to remember all this like i'm pretty much acting at this point it's a lot to remember because i have to say like specific things for them and like their name you know, and do things like, cause they want their fantasy played out before them. Right. And they, and when it comes to people that are requesting custom content like that too, that's something that they want very specifically. Mm-hmm. And I have noticed that with other friends of mine too, because like, you know, we'll have a fucking, like, we're about to go out to a show or something. And they're like, you know, I can't because I have to film these customs tonight and mm-hmm. it'll take hours, you know, sometimes to film a video that's like five minutes long you know just because they have to figure out like you know doing the same thing all the names doing the exact scenario that type of stuff and when so when I moved to New York I moved here with my girlfriend at the time who's my co-host and co-producer for the show Lauren Mm -hmm. uh her and I had moved here together to pursue stand-up further but when we were together prior to this uh prior to us moving to New York um she actually was a cam girl so like she was OG before the OnlyFans stuff. Yeah. She was straight up doing cam girl stuff. And it was an interesting thing because like I would joke about it on stage and I would bring that type of stuff up and you know people would be kind of weird about it. They would be like, "Whoa, what is it like like dating a cam girl and stuff like that?" And the way that I was is like I would go into the room that she was in and I would like push dudes to her room. 
I would be like, no, no, like she's so hot, blah, 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 like throw tokens at her, like, you know, fucking pay up. Like it would be that kind of thing. And so it never bothered me. Like to me, that was never like a taboo thing. That was never it never even entered my mind that that would be weird in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And then when I started bringing it up to friends. They were like, yo, how could you like you just sit there while dudes are jerking off to your girl? I was like, I mean, it literally is a job and she's in the bedroom right above me. Mm-hmm. and i get to go do it for real like they're exactly. just gonna jerk off to a computer and go to sleep like you know it fucking doesn't matter to me one way or the other she's getting paid for it yeah. have you found that being a content creator especially with the stuff that you do um both from the you know from the funny aspect of it and also from the sexy aspect of it has that been something that you feel like is hard to bring up in a relationship or to a potential relationship for that matter um no because since I started doing OnlyFans I've only had one relationship um that happened twice uh with like the same person yeah um but he was very open with it and he was like yeah that's cool like he he dated other people that did it as well like most of the time the people that I go for romantically they've already been with someone that does OnlyFans um, or sex work because it is so widely, you know, spread now. Like ev- almost sure. everyone does it, um, especially like, cause I have a very specific type. So usually the guys I like are going to be okay with it. And they'll be like, so um, can I, can I film content with you? I'll be like, yeah, dude, for like, sure. Oh my God. <laughs> but, I thought um, you'd never ask. <laughs> yeah. But my, uh, but has it ever been like, I can't go out to a show tonight. I got to fart on a cake tonight. Like, so it's just, it's going to throw off the whole evening. I'm sorry. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I have been like, Hey, I can't go out tonight. Like I, it sucks. Cause I tell my best friend who I love going out with. I'm like, I can't, I have to make content tonight. Like I really have to film these customs, you know, but I'd rather work. Cause I enjoy working. I enjoy, you know, the messages I get back. I enjoy like knowing that they enjoyed what they saw. So that's that's definitely oh yeah of course i mean the financial aspect of it that's the other thing i think a lot of people don't realize the amount of money that you can make on OnlyFans is wild like Mm -hmm. you can make a shitload of money if you have a thing that are that people are into Mm -hmm. and more power to creators seriously because it's something that i think we kind of lost our way when it came to porn on the internet with like Pornhub and you know all these other like tube sites and stuff like that where there was no longer a financial support of the people that were making the content and I'm friends with like legit porn stars like people that have been in the industry for you know years and have like AVN awards and shit like I'm friends with people that have been doing it like that and they've told me too like there was a point that it hit in sex work where like supporting things like Pornhub and you know all the tube sites and stuff was a big fuck you to them because they never saw any money from it and then when OnlyFans came along that kind of shifted it again to where like that financial aspect of it because there's a lot of porn stars like active porn stars that have OnlyFans accounts and stuff too on the side and I feel like they probably make more money off of OnlyFans now than they do out of filming an entire movie at this point possibly yeah since and also if they have like a good platform then they get a lot more traffic to their only fans because people want to see like more personal stuff sure um because it's it's definitely different being on a set and making a porn movie than 
making porn your own home where like you can make customs because I'm sure there's hella fans of porn stars that want to see them do something specific and will pay them for them to do that so I'm sure they make a ton of money on OnlyFans oh absolutely and customs especially when it comes to that stuff if you're a person who is a porn star that has like name recognition and has been in x amount of movies and stuff like that and it's like you know people hear like lisa ann and they're just like oh yeah you know like that type of thing and they'll Mm -hmm. go on there and i'm sure that they request custom things where it's like yeah i'll do that but you got to pay me like a good amount of money to do that shit that's not going to be like just a 20 dollar request you know right um one of the things that i did notice though is that you have recovered quite well from that breakdown from what then this is again from the outside looking in and seeing you know your instagram and stuff like that it seems like you have recovered quite well from that breakdown that you had. Mm-hmm. Um, have you found yourself doing anything to keep your mental health in check? Like since that whole occurrence happened, aside from just avoiding social media at times, is there anything that you've had to do, you know, to kind of, you know, keep those, keep the demons at bay, so to speak? Um. Yeah. I've always struggled with it. And with um with like trying to just like keep it in check and like keep myself happy working out is honestly like I hate to be one of those people that's like oh working out like saved me but like it honestly did because like I I feel like an actual person when I get to go up to the gym in the morning like as soon as I wake up I'm at the gym and I'm like getting that out because it's it's important to take care of your health and it just it helps a lot with like your physical health as well as mental right to focus on your body and like really like that is self-care you are loving yourself in that moment taking care of your body in that way and making sure that you are physically healthy because it does help a lot and um since I have like really just like stuck with it it's it's been amazing like I go running and I just I really just keep like track of like the friends I have and if I start to notice certain behaviors I don't like I'm no I'm done I'm done I can't because I will no longer like invest my emotions into a person that is just not working with me on it sure you know so just yeah mental health eating right and keeping an eye on like your friends like the people you allow near you And it's good. It's cool that you bring that up because I think a lot of people also see the things online about the working out and stuff like that. And you'll see like the fucking memes and the, you know, the stuff that looks very fake and very um, manufactured and stuff like that. And I'm a big dude. Like I've, I've been big my entire life. Um, But I've also been physical my entire life. Like I've been in football, been powerlifting and like stuff like that. So I've got a powerlifter's body. Like I'm, I'm a very stocky dude. So when I started going to the gym, that was the same thing that kind of, it's good that you bring it up because when I was going through recovery um, from alcoholism and uh, cocaine, I started going to the gym a lot more. And at first I kind of just thought it was just like a thing that I just had to keep myself busy or whatever like that. But I did notice that the more and more that I did it, the more that I worked out, the more that I focused on, you know, healthy habits and things like that, the more it actually did affect my mental health in a good way. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just like a place filler. Um, and also, like, I do Muay Thai kickboxing when I'm at the gym. So when you see a fat dude doing Muay Thai kickboxing, you're like, what is happening right now? <laughs> like, I don't know what this is. Yeah. <laughs> like, that doesn't look right. Why is he doing those things? How can he kick that high? Um, so that's always fun to actually just watch people's reactions, uh, when I'm doing that stuff too. 
but I think working out gets a bad rap because of a lot of the things that look very vapid, look very uh, fake, very uh, also corporatized. Like you'll just see all the things online where it's just like a fucking Equinox ad where it's just like, oh my God, these super pretty people, they're drinking this really high end water and they're just having a great time working out. And it's like, all right, I mean, like I get it, but focusing on the the aspect of working out where it actually helps your mental health i feel like it's something that more people need to hear yeah it's a real thing like the endorphins and stuff that you get from working out like they actually do real scientific things to your brain to help those things happen um i know like lauren she's the same way she works out like works out like crazy and when she's having a bad day like you can tell that it does help a lot mm-hmm. and bring her out of those things um, when it comes to the friendship things and when you notice the red flags, is it something that after that breakdown, do you think it was something that brought you to a point where you just cut people off now? Or is it something that you like approach with a conversation first? Like what's your, what's your method when it comes to that? Cause I feel oh, like, um, I feel like red flags are a big thing with a lot of people, especially yeah. in Los Angeles and New York. I feel like it's something that's very important to pay attention to. Yeah. Um, I mean, I always have a conversation cause I'm huge on communication. It's very important to let someone know what's going on because just like ghosting someone and like cutting someone off, that is kind of fucked up because you at least have to let them know, Hey, this is what I think that you need to work on. This is what I'm not comfortable with. And it, it can help them see like, this is not okay to do. And maybe I should check my other friendships to make sure I'm not doing this to them as well. Um, but it's just, it's really important to like, let someone know like what they're doing wrong um, to you and what makes you uncomfortable. And maybe they can work on that and just kind of become more self-aware. So I always, always, always have a conversation with them. And depending on how they respond is, that's when I just kind of like cut it off and I just don't respond. that's fair that i mean that that's good and i'm glad that you do that too because i think that's something communication i think is something that's key across the board Mm -hmm. um as soon as somebody communicates a boundary i feel like that's something that you always have to take seriously yeah and whether it's an emotional boundary a physical boundary you know when it comes to the word consent it's weird to say that it's a buzzword now but it should never have had to be a buzzword right And now it is. And I think it's like for as much as a buzzword is usually a negative thing. This is such a positive thing, because if somebody communicates a boundary in any fashion, you have to have consent to move forward with that person. You know, like they have to consent to continuing to have a communication with you. And, after you know, after you've expressed a boundary and like, I feel like after you express that, if they cross it after that, you know, sometimes you got to cut it off. Mm-hmm. And that's whether that's something that is difficult for you to do. I think it is something that is important because the longer that you keep somebody in a circle that doesn't respect boundaries, the worse it gets. And it happens quick. Yeah. Like, that's what I've noticed. At least I don't know if your experience has been the same. But anytime I've ever expressed a boundary to somebody and they have not paid attention to it, very quickly, the relationship got bad, you yeah. know, whether it was a friendship or whatever. Um, 
so I think it is important to at least communicate it. And then if they're not willing to take that communication at that point, it's just like, it's, it's okay to be like, all right, that's cool. Like we just, we don't work, you know? Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be shitty. Like you don't have to be a dick about it, but you can just be like, all right, cool. Like, you know what? Fist bump, peace out. I'm gonna go this way. You go that way. All right. That's fine. It's been good. You know? I wish it could be like that, man. (laughs) Never is. Usually they're just like, oh my God, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty serious. And they're like, oh, fuck you. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's fine. What a perfect world it would be to just be like, all right, peace, dude. Like, it was fun, but I'm right? out. Like, because if I see one about, I want to be like, hey, I hope you're doing good. Like, I don't want any animosity there, you know? Damn, like, we're all humans. We're all like living and learning. So just fucking chill out, bro. <laughs> right that's something I had to learn over a long period of time that like sometimes if a relationship fails with somebody, whether it's a relationship like romantically or whether it's a friendship, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that you have to hate that person. That just means that they're not in your immediate circle anymore. And yeah. it's completely okay to still hope that that person is doing good mm-hmm. or dealing with their shit or like, you know, whatever, you don't have to put an ill will out onto a person. And I think when I was growing up, it tended to be on the more, shittier side of that where if i had a friendship that was ended or a relationship that was ended it was like ah fuck that person like you know i hope the bad things happen to him and then as i grew up and like i went through therapy for shit and it was just like all right no like i just don't have to deal with that person and that's fine but if i do see them it's okay to be like you know what i hope things are turning out good for you i hope you're Mm -hmm. all right you know i hope you're whatever it is that's going on in your brain i hope i hope the brain ghosts are going down like you know (laughs) hoping for the good things yeah so growing up in uh you said you grew up in ohio yeah was la like the goal for you for like from an early age oh yeah since i was a little kid i just knew i had to be in la so you just you were always about it you were just like so little little girl meg was like you know la is the place for me yeah i actually wanted to be an actress when i was a kid um really really bad I even went to film school in high school for vocational junior and senior year um so I got to like learn behind the scenes stuff and like filming um and I really thought I was going to be an actress or a director and as I got older I just paid more attention to the industry and it is just so toxic and oversaturated and just polluted with trash so and it's really hard to make it big and as much as I want to do that, I can also pursue acting in other aspects. You know, I can bring real good acting to porn. You can. (laughs) Um, That's not like super corny. (laughs) But, um, that's like, as an aside, that's not corny. Porn could fucking use some good acting. Okay. (laughs) Real, real. Oh God. It's so bad. Um, but also it helps with like TikTok because I did take acting classes and stuff, but I started getting tattoos very young too. And, I didn't, I was like, I have tattoos, like it's going to be hard to get casted, but I just love tattoos so much and like looking different, looking very like individualistic and being an actress to make it big, you have to be able to look like many different characters. So you have to be very like, you have to look like you blend in kind of, so then they can make you what they want you to be. And I didn't like that. I like being an individual. I like people being like, oh, hey, that's so-and-so, you know, like I like to stand out and I like to express who I am with art on my body. Um, so I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'll figure out acting another way. Maybe I'll be in like independent films, whatever. But there's also other shit that I really like doing. So, but 
LA was definitely the place that I needed to be to pursue everything else that I wanted to do because I have so many different interests and things that I want to chase after and, you know, put my name on. So here I am. Yeah. And you are covered in tattoos and they're awesome. Like I'm a big fan of tattoos. I've got some on me. My sister is covered in tattoos. She's got some of the coolest fucking artwork on her body. Um, and I've always been a fan of tattoos, like just aesthetically, Mm -hmm. but the more I've, um, gotten, the more I've seen it happen, like with my sister and stuff, she actually apprenticed to be a tattoo artist. And I think she ultimately, I mean, shout out to my sister, Hannah, you're going to be a fucking tattoo artist. Like it's going to happen. Um, but she's covered in them. And the more that I've seen people express themselves with tattoos, especially like I'm big into horror. So the darker the tattoos, the cooler to me. And that's that's kind of always been the case. And like you have some pretty fucking awesome uh, ink on you. Thanks. You have some very good stuff. Is that stuff that happened in Ohio? Was that like a was that a thing that happened um, early on? You said you yeah. had got them from a very young age. Yeah, my first tattoo is I was 18. I was the Deathly Hollow symbol from Harry Potter, naturally. Nice. Um, that one's kind of hidden because it's on the back of my neck and my hair is usually down. But a lot of them I did get in Ohio because they're cheaper out there, you know, because cost of living sure. is not as expensive. But recently I got a lot of them here in L.A. and San Diego. I got like my back worked on. I got my legs worked on a lot. Um, but yeah, the best work I've had has been like an one artist in Ohio and then like the few artists that I've met out here they're awesome um I actually have an LA artist that I will shout out um also somebody by all means if you are ever looking for another artist um he's awesome he's so good his name is Ed Brescia and Mm -hmm. um he so he's been a tattoo artist at multiple different shops um Mm -hmm. but I believe that the shop that he's at now I want to say is called Strangeland um Mm -hmm. but I will I'll put that in the description of the episode when this is all done but Ed's Ed's awesome he actually did a Raven um inspired piece on my arm when I was in LA last time and he specializes in stipple shading nice so his his stuff is very very cool it's very unique um, but that's also something I've noticed with tattoo artists too. tattoo artists, you know, personality wise, I always get along with them a lot. And even, uh, Lauren, uh, co-host of the show, she has a fucking amazing piece from Paul Booth and oh. in, yeah, in the tattoo world, Paul Booth is like God tier, you know, yeah. he's like, he is, he is the tattoo artist to the metal stars. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she's got an amazing piece on her arm. Uh, goes from her shoulder all the way down to her elbow um and there is a chick getting fucked by a demon on her arm and yeah. <laughs> it's very cool because as soon as she moves her arm moves her elbow uh the the demon dick goes in and out and it's just like it's it's an amazing piece but like you have to get close to it to see exactly what it is and then when you see it you're like oh 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 okay that's what that <laughs> is <laughs> um it's awesome shit um So it it is good to see that you have recovered from that because, you know, it's kind of a thing when it comes to content creation, especially when you're doing something that's humorous and especially when you're doing something that is as exposing as what you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like there it's it's like tightrope and tightrope walking on a razor blade, you know, like one slip and it can be bad. 
And I feel like it can be easy to get sucked into the negative aspects of those things. And especially when you put yourself out there like you did. So when you made that message, when you made that post, it was something that made me pay attention as somebody who had been following you. It was something that made me pay attention because I have seen, I have seen situations with people that are content creators, especially people that have any kind of sex work thing going on mm-hmm. where that tip can happen very easy yeah. where it's just like they were holding it in, they were holding it in and then something happened and it was just like, it's fucking over. It's done. And it unfortunately also has led to some dark paths for people. And um, admittedly, when I saw the post, that was something I was, you know, in the back of my head, I was worried about because you seem like a very, you know, fun, like happy person in general. And again, that's, you know, from the outside looking in, I'm looking at it as a person who saw the content that you created. And I feel like if you're going to be like mixing sex work and fart videos, the (laughs) the outward uh, feel that you're going to give off is going to be generally happy. So um, I don't feel like you're going to be doing that with a whole lot of sadness being put on a video because I don't think, you know, nobody's going to be into that except for like that one dude that's from the middle of a country somewhere that's like, I want you to fart and be naked and cry. That's what I want. There's going to be that one dude. Um, But yeah, so when I saw that post, it was it was something that was, you know, raised a red flag, so to speak. Um, And then I believe you went dark for a little bit after that. You just kind of you kind of scaled back um, and then didn't create for a little while. And then when you came back, it seemed like you were back to enjoying what you were doing again. And is that something that you would say to people that are looking to get into content creation? This is something that I wanted to ask is it has to be fun. You have to enjoy what you're doing whether it's, you know, traditional sex work content creation or traditional humor content creation or whatever the case may be, whatever content that it is that you're creating in order to be successful at it, you have to enjoy what you're doing. Would you say that that's true? Oh, very much. Yeah. You don't want it to feel like it is work. It's definitely a lot of mental work, but you, you have to make sure that you still enjoy it to an extent and that you're having fun because otherwise it's going to make your mental health go in the shitter. Yeah, I feel like it probably would. too. It's the same thing with comedy. Like if you start writing and it starts to feel like you're, I mean, obviously you can get a job as a writer in a writing room or something like that. But if it ever feels like every time that you go on stage, you're just like, oh, fuck, this isn't even fun anymore. Like I feel like that's when it starts to make the turn. But I think, you know, again, what I do is a very safe form of entertainment in that sense you know like Mm -hmm. i'll talk about really deep stuff on stage sometimes and i'll talk about stuff that exposes me in that way but the kind of exposure that i do does not by any means open me up to the type of fandom or you know the other side of the industry um that somebody who creates something like you does um so I feel like it is, it definitely has to be something that you have a lot of control over and you really do have to pay attention to, you know, what you're putting out there so that people don't cross those boundaries. Do you have people that are, that like constantly reach out to you trying to, I know you've probably had people that have tried to like marry you and shit like that, like we were talking before, but is that something that's a common occurrence or are most of your messages that you get, are they mostly supportive? 
Um, a lot of them are supportive, usually when they're from like other women or guys being like, Hey, I love seeing this. Like, this is awesome. Like my girlfriend farts, you know, wife, whatever. (laughs) Um, but I definitely, Oh my God, this one guy, I, (laughs) it's so funny. Like he is constantly sending like devotion letters to my story posts on Instagram and it is hilarious. I'm like, he is down so so bad he is in the trenches (laughs) right now dude like I had to screenshot him and put him on Twitter and be like look at this like this is fucking hilarious like this guy wants to marry me so bad he's like so into me and I'm like you don't know who I am you really don't know who I am you only know what I put on the internet so (laughs) what are you doing all you know is that I'm hot and I fart and I'm funny yeah and you want to marry me now it's always like the, the thing I noticed a lot of the time is like the people that are like that, they usually have private accounts. And it's like, how am I going to know what you're about, my guy? Like, what? yeah, that is wild, too. I've noticed that like just in like the private account thing is very weird to me when it comes to social media, especially when it comes to somebody like an account that has like a million followers. And yeah. it's either like a meme page or it's somebody who is a content creator that's behind a private wall or whatever Mm -hmm. but that always blows my mind because i'll see something funny and i'll try to send it to one of my friends and be like this is a private account i'm like yo that thing has like 2.3 million followers how the fuck is it a private account yeah that thing i think that's because they post like certain things that could be taken down by instagram so that may be why but still it's like you have so many followers how the fuck does that even matter? <laughs> yeah, that is that's always been a weird thing to me. And then it makes sense about the people that a lot of the people that respond with like the private accounts and stuff like that. Um, as far as people that have an obsession with you, mm-hmm. a lot of that happens on Twitter too. Um, especially when it comes back to the trolling stuff that we talked about. Mm-hmm. When you said fuck trolls, the reason that I think that resonated so much with me, and I think in general people to be listening, is that nine times out of ten. If you have somebody on like Twitter or something like that, that's just being a total fucking douchebag. They usually have like anywhere from five to 20 followers. And they're just like some fucking dad from the middle of the country that (laughs) posts like posts American flags and like just shit like that. And it's like they're either a troll like that or they're a complete bot account like they're they're people that literally don't matter in the grand scheme of things as far as the shitty things that they say to you. And um, I feel like that's also the same way with people that do the admiration thing. Cause again, when you go over Twitter, that's only fans is huge on Twitter, mm-hmm. you know? So you have people that are creating only fan content creation. And I feel like the devotion people are the same thing. They're just like, you know, 20 followers, uh, you know, doesn't make a post very often. You can't really tell anything from the account. There's no real information on there, mm-hmm. but totally. Let me go ahead and hit you up. We'll move you, we'll move you over to Iowa or whatever fucking state that they live in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So the golden, the golden question on this is what made you decide to sit down and be like, you know what? I'm going to be naked, but I'm also going to fart. Like, what is it like what came to what came to your head where you're like you know what I think the thing that's going to do it's going to be fart videos like that's going to be my thing well I have I've had only fans since right before the pandemic happened and um and then like the fart thing came around on TikTok I think it was like last 
yeah last year in like january i think um tiktok was where i saw it originally yeah tiktok is where like the farting started but i didn't know that there was a kink there but so many people in the comments and like were messaging me on instagram being like hey do you sell fart content i'm like what I, I did have, so when I first started OnlyFans, there was someone from a town I lived in for a few years. They were like really weird and they thought I would sleep with them, but they were just honestly kind of gross. So no, they kept asking for like custom stuff and they wanted me to queef and fart while making, and I was like, hell no, dude. I was like, that's fucking weird. And also, how am I going to do that? I was like, that's, (laughs) I don't know if I can queef and fart. That's a lot. You're asking me for a lot here, dude. Especially if I'm like, (laughs) that's a lot of work down there. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so I was like no I don't do that but then like the fart thing happened and so many people wanted to buy fart content that I was like you know what fuck it I have IBS I can fart a lot and this is a lot of money <laughs> here. a lot of people were paying for my OnlyFans asking for fart content so I just I was like you know what if that makes me money then that makes me money and it's hilarious I feel like it is funny that we got this far into the conversation And you threw that in there real quick. Like I have IBS like, okay. So this, this whole thing started because you have IBS and it, you know, you fart a lot and uh, I have good friends that have IBS and I'm sure they've never thought to be like, you know what, I'm going to monetize this fucking asshole of a situation that I have going on. And uh, that's a whole different layer of marketing right there. Like it just is a whole different layer. Uh, the fact that it's attached to IBS. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting to me how just how this whole thing came to occur, because like, did you just decide to fart on video one time or was it something that happened by accident? Like you were filming something else and that happened and you were just like, oh, shit, that was funny. Or was it something that you just planned out from the beginning? You were like, I'm going to make these and put it out there and see if people like it. Um, I planned it out because. I don't know. I've always been like, I've always thought that farts are funny since I was a kid. I was actually called the poop girl by my friend's mom. Um, she did not like me <laughs> because I was always like joking about farts and poop. I was going to say, it doesn't sound like, like a term of endearment. <laughs> no, it wasn't. She really did not like me. She called me a little slut. I was like 14. I'm like, uh, I haven't even Jesus had sex. Jesus so Christ. Yeah, it was, it was bad. She was, I'm not friends with her daughter anymore um, just because she's really not a good person, but it's always been like a thing because like my dad's like that too very gassy and gross and raunchy whatever and my <laughs> sister she had told me that her like cute little friend who is kind of like all prim and proper she started seeing this guy and she told me that she has not farted in front of him but then on the third date they did anal and I was like that is so odd to me that is weird that- you have not farted in front of someone in the three months you've been seeing them, but the third date you let them put it in your butt. Like I, that that's was a so weird confusing. boundary. That's yeah, a that was weird very one. odd. I was like, um, excuse me, but he's literally putting it in your fucking poop shoot. Like what, how does that make any right. sense? So I made also, a video on it and I had a fart in the end. Yeah. That is wild. Cause like, did you prepare for the anal? Like, did you go through the the preparation like prior? Did you did right. you clean it out? Like, sometimes you if you if you douche out the poop shoot, you're gonna be full of gas. Like that that can happen. Yeah, like, what, accidents happen. <laughs> what would have happened if he would have went to put it in and she farted beforehand? Do you feel like that would have been the end of the relationship, or he would just been like, "Shh, you're next." Like, you know, I have no idea. I have no clue because I don't really know her that well. 
and I don't know the guy, but some guys are like that where they're like, the girl farts around me, like it's over. Cause oh, that's just so weird. I hate that kind of shit. Like, I'm sorry, but who are you to tell me that I am not allowed to release gas inside my body because it's unappealing to you? Go fuck yourself. Right. And like, it's uncomfortable to hold in gas. Yeah, like you're literally saying you, you should hurt yourself more throughout this date so that you right. don't offend me by letting that out that's the weirdest thing also it's 2022 people eat ass like it's a handshake at this point like exactly come on (laughs) i have to tell people now like hey like i know i do fart stuff and whatever but i do not like my butthole to be touched during it's not a turn on for me and a lot of people think like oh i bet she does anal like actually i hate anal and i have to warn people like on the first date i'm like hey if we get into stuff like just so you know i don't fucking like getting my ass seen do not go near it because it is gross and i feel like i'm being I don't know, like wiped with something. It's just so weird. I mean, that's all that's again, that goes back to the boundaries. And I feel like that's something it goes back to boundaries and communication, because I feel like that's something, especially if you're going to be sexual with somebody, that's something that should be communicated immediately. Oh, yeah. Especially with like how common ass eating is now. Like that shit is nuts. It really is. Like, I may, I know I made a joke about it, but it is super common. Like, oh, very common. It is common to an alarming degree. The people yeah. are just like, we went on a date. It was cool. She made out with me and then ate her butt. And it was like, did you guys even have dessert? Jesus Christ. Like, you went right to right. the ass eating. Like, I don't know, man. Like, it's just like nuts. It's like, oh, yeah, I just love to eat ass. I'm like, I mean, if you get off on that, good for you. But I find absolutely no enjoyment in it. And I'm like, I have a cooter that's right here. And I have so many nerves in my little my little <laughs> button. I'm right. Like, press on that a little bit and i'll have a good time (laughs) why don't you go ahead and move to the other one all right get away from the dumpster slow leak fart if you're sticking your tongue in my butt like (laughs) what is happening yeah i feel like also if somebody really thinks just because you make fart content that you're going to be really into getting your ass eaten it's like are you sure you're not walking a dangerous road there buddy like you i mean (laughs) that makes sense um so this, uh, I mean, it's been an interesting conversation. This has been very fun. Um, I'm glad that you, you know, that you were so open to talking about everything. And again, I'm glad that you recovered from the breakdown that you had, especially because you do live in LA. You know, LA is a place that can be quite uh, daunting when it comes to mental health. Yeah. And, um, you know, the things that you talked about, like working out, being healthy, you know, actually doing things that are physically healthy to kind of help out the mental health thing as well. Um, one thing I didn't really touch on, and it's just, it's a question that I had. Um, are you a drinker? Like, do you, are you, um, into any of that? Um, yeah, I'll go out and I'll drink, but I don't ever drink at home. It's just, I always like struggled with drinking. Cause I was drinking when I was like 15 and like people's barns and shit and garages. Sure. And it feels like it a just, very Ohio situation. Yeah. And it was nasty. Cause we weren't really mixing it. People were just passing around like bottles of vodka. It was absolutely fucking disgusting and so it really put a bad taste in my mouth and i'm like i don't get how people can drink i hate drinking it tastes like shit this drink is fucking awful but as a bartender um i learned how to like mix properly and make drinks that are actually delicious and now i will go out with my friends and i'll absolutely get fucking blackout drunk with them but (laughs) i still have a balance i still like take days off during the week because i'm not going to destroy myself yeah that's fair I mean, honestly, the reason I asked is because I feel like a, a lot of people that do content creation, um, unfortunately, I think 
that it's something that kind of goes hand in hand with a lot of people. I'm not saying it's like a traditionally hand in hand thing, but I have noticed a lot of friends of mine that do significant content creation. Um, and I say significant in the sense there's just the volume of content creation that they have to do, um, especially when it comes to sex work and it comes to anything like that, that their way of, um, you know, winding down yeah. is is going to the bottle you know it's going out and drinking and um so that was just something that was more of a personal curiosity on it and i'm glad that you actually have a good handle on that because i feel like that's also something that is a very slippery slope when it comes to um you know people doing what you guys do right um but that's very cool i'm very glad that you don't have a problem with that that makes me very happy um i'm always happy when i when i hear of people that are able to you know just go out and have some fun with their friends and not have it be a big issue I am not that person. <laughs> I uh, I learned that years ago where it was like, oh, no, I don't get to have one drink. I get to have all the drinks until I do something terrible. So, right. <laughs> yeah. So I always I always respect people that can actually do that. Um. So, yeah, again, this has been a great conversation. I'm really happy that you were on here and, um, you know, happy that you recovered, happy that you're back to creating, happy that you are, uh, you know, living in L.A. like young Meg wanted to. <laughs> happy to see that for you um where can people find you where's the best uh, place for people to look for you and what you do um on instagram it is the real megan foxy with two y's um only fans is demi morgan baby or no let me double check because i have different names on different platforms because they're all like taken <laughs> sure that makes sense um my only fans is yeah, it's Demi Morgan, D-E-M-I, Morgan, X-X-X. Okay, so, so I did know that one, and then I had a question on it. How did you come up with that name? Um, So it used to be Debbie Snacks because my middle name is Deborah, but I'm actually going to start doing, like, real porn, um, like, on sets and stuff, and Demi Snacks is not a real name. It has to sound like a real name. Sure. So I kind of wanted to come up with something that sounded similar to my own name, you know, Megan Deborah. And Demi Morgan is like Debbie Megan, you know, just like sure, yeah, yeah. Around, sounds like a real name and like it, it's cute and I feel like it fits me. So that's how that came to be. It actually the name as soon as I heard it, it popped into my head from the show Dexter. Oh yeah, from Deborah Morgan, which is not yeah. a bad thing. That's actually not I a bad thing at all. I was to her when I was younger because I swear like a fucking sailor, like she does. Right. And I can get really angry like she does. <laughs> I could see that. Yeah, I could. I could see both of those aspects of it. And as a big fan of the Dexter show, uh, we'll say the first four seasons. Um, I will say that uh, that's a cool character to be um, to be compared to. So more power to yeah, you on that. She was fucking badass, man yeah absolutely that and like i think also just as far as like female empowerment character goes mm-hmm. man jennifer carpenter fucking killed that part I absolutely did oh, she's such and a then babe. yeah absolutely and even in the new season of dexter like her playing the dark passenger for dexter in that new season reboot that they did yes she was fucking awesome like oh, just, i was it so was happy so... she was in it because i was like man like she's not gonna be in it like what the fuck but then she was there and i was like oh yes sweet release yep. <laughs> yep and her being the dark passenger was a really cool twist to it yes. because also like the difference between her character and that and then like the father character from the original series 
was like she was straight up Deborah. She was just like, no, yeah. fuck you. Don't do that to your son. You know, like she was like right in Dexter's face, even as the dark pastor. It was great. Yes. Um, okay, so that's where they find you on Instagram. They find you on uh, Twitter, Instagram, OnlyFans. And um, as far as your OnlyFans go, um, when people subscribe to you, are you one of the creators that has like one of the custom menus on there? Or is that like some like are people able to reach out to you on there? If they have um, stuff they're requesting. I usually have the like menu updated on my profile. Um, just so like anytime I make new content or anything and I add to my menu, I do like repost it, be like, this is updated version. But most of the time I will send it to people. Um, Cause I have like an option. Like if you tell me where you found me, I'll send you a free photo. And then I just shoot my menu to them too. Just so oh, they nice. actually see it. Okay. So it helps a lot. But on Twitter, it's Demi Morgan Baby because all the other names were taken. Fair. Totally fair. Well, when we do the episode here, when we post this and send it out, we'll also make sure that we link everybody to all the things that you are doing there. Um, And is there anywhere else uh, that people can find you or those the main ones that we're looking at? Those are the main ones. And then TikTok is Meg the Ripper 69. (laughs) That's that is such a fitting name for what you do. <laughs> Actually, yeah. Everything that is just like that, all of that, all of that fits absolutely perfectly for the content that you create. <laughs> um, well, Meg, you've been awesome. Thank you for coming on to the show. Um, it was been, it's been great talking to you and getting to know you a little bit outside from the, just following you on social media thing. Um, and, uh, like legitimately I'm happy that you've been able to keep a handle on your mental health with, uh, the stuff that you do, because you know, those are treacherous waters. And, uh, you know, it sounds like you've found ways, uh, you know, to kind of keep everything at bay and to, um, help move forward on it and keep your, keep your mind as healthy as possible. Um, you know, in working in the LA hellscape, that which it is. So, (laughs) so again, thank you very much. We're going to go ahead and make sure that we link everything on here. And again, uh, for anybody listening out, um, hopefully what we've talked about today, um, you know, resonates with you, even just one of you. Um, that's what we really strive for here. And if you have any questions, if you even just like want to reach out and just, you know, get something off your chest, you can always find me on social media at Jonas Barnes comedy on Instagram. Um, my messages are always open. Um, I don't have even close to the amount of people following me that Meg does. So your message probably will not get lost in there at all. Um, but my messages are always open. If you just need to vent, you know, if you're feeling the vice grip of the world and you just need to get some shit off your chest, uh, my messages are always open for that. You know, I'll always respond as much as I can. Um, but sometimes I know that just getting it off your chest is it helps and, uh, I'm perfectly okay. Um, you know, being there, if anybody needs that, anybody that's listening, if you're, if you're going through some shit, feel free to shoot me a message. Um, if you ever want to look me up on Facebook, I almost always have a really fucked up picture as my profile picture. It's just Jonas Barnes, but usually the picture is like a mixture of Guy Fieri and Will- and Willem Dafoe, just real nightmare fuel. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> um, I always go for that. And that's the one it is. That's the one that's on there right now. It's Guy Fieri's body with Willem Dafoe's face. And that will haunt your dreams. It's <laughs> really my new sleep paralysis demon. Thank you so much for putting thousand. My- <laughs> yeah, it totally is a new sleep paralysis demon. Um, as a complete side note, I saw a Willem Dafoe movie called Antichrist. 
mm-hmm. which is a great movie. It's super fucked up and dark, but it's a great movie. But one of my friends was shocked that Willem Dafoe had a huge dick. And I was oh like, I was like, look at his face. I was like, he has huge dick face. Like that's, <laughs> you don't get to have a face like that and not have a fucking hammer. There's no I way. Actually, I never thought about his dick. Cause he's just, I'm not going to look at him and be like, Oh, I wonder what his penis looks like. Cause it probably looks fucking terrifying. <laughs> right. Nobody would think that. But then when, once you see that movie, then it was like, oh, that like as soon as I thought and saw that movie, I was like, oh, that has to make sense. Like the universe had to give him something oh my God. when he looks like a human scarecrow. Like I love Willem Dafoe, but even he has said in interviews, his face is his face. Like we know what Willem Dafoe's face looks like. So, yeah, I was just like the universe had to give him a handout. Like that's what it was. I'm sure he was like hot when he was younger. It's either him or Kevin Bacon where I saw pictures of him younger and I was like, damn. What the hell? <laughs> I feel happened? like that. I feel like that's got to be Kevin Bacon because. Oh no! You know what? I saw a picture of Willem Dafoe in his twenties. Yeah. In his like early twenties. Yep. And it was weird because his face still looked like thirty-five, but it was definitely like, it was definitely more aesthetically, you know, fitting yeah. to to fitting to what he looks like. And then yeah, like for as long as I can remember him in movies, it was like, oh, it is, and it, it is makes all the sense that you were as good of an actor as you are because goddamn. And then when I saw Antichrist, it was like, oh, now it all makes sense. That t- that's why he's so confident. There's no way yeah. that he's walking around with that face and he's that he got that confidence. That's why it makes sense. Okay, yeah. I looked it up and the pictures that I was thinking of were definitely William Defoe. And he was, I think he was super hot when he, he was he had like the long golden hair. I was like, damn. You're actually like what? <laughs> right, right. When you Sunscreen, when you see baby. the young, yeah, you see the young picture of him. You're like, oh shit! Like, all right, Willem. He's a fucking looker, man. If you just put on some goddamn sunscreen once in a while, holy shit! <laughs> yeah, and now when you see him in like a vampire movie, he was in a he was in um Shadow of the Vampire with a mm-hmm. uh, with fucking John Malkovich. Um, and he straight up plays Dracula. And it's just like, oh, they didn't have to put any prosthetics on you or anything, buddy. <laughs> like, oh, Willem. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but yeah, that is that is my profile picture. It is uh, Meg's new sleep paralysis demon, which is the uh, the Willem Dafoe of Flavortown. Um, yes. So again, if you ever have any questions, reach out to me on Facebook. Um, also on Twitter, the Tromedy Hour. Uh, we're on we're on Twitter. You'll see us on there. And also on uh, Instagram, the the Tromedy Hour on Instagram is both for the podcast account and also for our live show. Our next live show is going to be at the end of this month. It's going to be March 26th. And we have the headliner Moses Storm. Um, and if you have not seen him, go check out his special on HBO called Trash White. Um, it's such a good special. And... I'm not even saying that just to promote the fact that he's headlining the show. Um, I'm very jaded because I'm a stand-up comic and I've seen a shitload of comedy. I have not laughed consistently through a special as hard as I laughed at his in at least 10 years. And so it's on HBO Max. So go check that out. Um, Meg, if you're into stand-up, fucking go check out his special immediately. It's so good. I will. I'm gonna work um, on it myself here soon. So. Oh yeah, that's. Let me know when you do. I know a lot of people in LA from the stand-up community, and also, yeah. you know, I would totally pick your brain on it because I've been doing it now for 12 years. So Sweet. it's a. Uh, oh, 
yeah, it's it's a it's a fun venture. Um, I know you're not into eating ass, but get ready to eat ass on stage for at least a little while. <laughs> oh, I know I will, and I'm I'm fully prepared. <laughs> All right, well this this has been the Traumedy Hour. You guys are fantastic. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, look out next week. Um, we're actually next week is going to be another uh, person from LA, uh, stand up comic actress. Uh, and former Miss USA contestant, Jackie Brown. So she's going to be actually uh, coming up on next week's episode. So look out for that as well. And uh, look out for all of Meg's stuff online. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, OnlyFans. Check it all out. Throw your subscriptions. Give her the money. She's kicking ass in LA. So support that up. Uh, thank you guys so much. This has been the Traumedy Hour. We will talk to you next week. Thank you, Jonas, for having me on.